0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette.
1: Hi everyone.
0: Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 2, The Meeting. In this episode, Jim has a plan, Daryl gets injured... And Pam tracks down RSVPs. This cold open is just amazingly questionable. I don't know how anyone thought this would be a good idea or a good joke.
1: Agree. It's short, thankfully, but it is it is bad. Michael is going to have a colonoscopy, and so he calls in Oscar to get Oscar's perspective and ask, like, what he should be expecting, and it's just, ugh, it's just cringe. Also, for a colonoscopy, like, you are completely anesthetized. It's, you wouldn't even realize you had a procedure but for the anesthesia
0: yeah it's almost like the writers wanted to make a butt sex joke but they can't just come out and say it and so like like they've been wanting to do this the entire show and then one day somebody just came into the writers and was like guys i figured it out
1: it's weird to me and I, i don't have any information on this and maybe this happened but it's weird to me think back a couple episodes to where I said in the annex that Mindy Kaling was extremely passionate and vocal about the idea that Kevin should not drop the chili in a cold open and so I'm just very curious If anyone in the writer's room or any, now her, Paul Lieberstein, and uh, BJ Novak, I've noticed in the credits, are co-EPs. Did anyone think, uh, this is kind of a weird joke to make? Now, I know it's still 2009 and people are accepting gay jokes, but it's not really a gay joke. Like Curtis said, it's just a joke about, it's like a weird roundabout way about anal sex. And it's
0: not really funny. No, not really. We kick this episode off with Michael meeting with David Wallace. And they seem just to be talking regular business stuff. And so when that meeting is over and David is exiting Michael's office, he says to Jim, hey, can do you want to head into the conference room now? And Michael's like, okay, great, let's go. And David's like, you know what? It's just going to be... Jim and I, uh, if that's okay with you. And so now Michael is just very, very worried for seemingly no reason about this meeting. He is super, super paranoid throughout the entire episode.
1: Michael really freaks out. He spends a lot of time at different people's desks staring into the conference room trying to figure out what David and Jim could be talking about. Before Jim went into the conference room, Pam said good luck to him. So Michael tries to interrogate Pam about what that meant. We do get some resolution, I will say, from the season five finale in the fact that yes, they did close the Buffalo branch. Michael and Holly, if you'll recall, gave that away during their comedy routine. And so I guess Scranton is the nearest branch to Buffalo. I'm trying to think what other branch uh, spots that we know of.
0: Albany would be right there.
1: That's true. We've talked about this before. Why is there an Albany and Buffalo branch? We have talked about this before. So doesn't fully make sense that Scranton is the branch to absorb all these clients and to properly serve them. But Michael says, because of this, they have been busier than ever, which is very interesting. So he has been tasked seemingly with more responsibilities. And Michael may have, I don't know, a bit of guilt, a bit of concern that this meeting between David and Jim is related to just all this work that's coming down and Michael said he feels overwhelmed he's not actually used to working so he might actually be working a normal pace but that feels overwhelming
0: yeah that's what I was going to say it seems as though the workload has increased but any workload increase would be an increase for Michael because he never does any work and so yeah this is probably just like okay now it would just be a normal day for somebody rather than having to like kill time for extended periods of time during the day. And so Michael is kind of, as you alluded to almost immediately concerned that Jim is coming for his job, even though there's really no evidence to that whatsoever, other than the fact that Jim is technically the number two in the office. Like we have, talked about before it kind of gets brought up and then dropped but jim is the number two in the office and as we will hear later on in the episode jim has expressed interest in becoming a regional manager before he says that he has told michael to just put his name out there for regional manager jobs
1: right indicating that he and pam might be willing to leave Scranton depending on the job and the location which is interesting since they just bought a house not that you can't sell a house or anything like that we have seen Jim take ownership over this job at Dunder Mifflin more and more as the seasons have progressed and this meeting with David seemingly is another step in that
0: another reason that this is this whole thing's just kind of ridiculous, is that, A, as we said, they just closed a branch, and so they probably aren't really looking to, like, expand anywhere. So there probably aren't any regional manager openings. And if there were, Michael would probably know about that. And so it kind of just, that builds on that unfounded paranoia of his, because as far as we know, there are no regional manager openings anywhere. And so where would Jim go other than to take his job? Which, like we said, there's, there's no reason to believe that that is happening. If, if Michael hasn't gotten fired by now, he's not going to get fired now.
1: Right. Yeah, there have been just a multitude of infractions, big and small, that Michael has seemingly survived. He's in it for the long haul. Michael's paranoia leads him to Andy. And Andy is willing to help out Michael because he's a brown noser and that's just his personality. So Andy puts together a cheese platter that he wheels into the conference room that Michael is hiding in. It's a cart just covered in a tablecloth with seemingly gross cheddar cheeses from the refrigerator that Andy presents as this amazing charcuterie board, basically.
0: Yeah, we can see him taking cheese off of somebody's sandwich and putting it on this plate. So yes, it is not this gourmet spread. And it does seem to be like four different kinds of cheddar cheese
1: yeah and some goldfish crackers and blue cheese dressing unfortunately for Michael the meeting is pretty much wrapped up at this point and he has tried to enter the conference room at other intervals and we've seen Michael do this before where he wants to be a part of something but he's not invited so he just walks in and pretends he is he walks in pretends he's on the phone and he's Like, oh, hold on. I got to let you go. I'm going into a meeting. So those attempts haven't worked. And David is the most patient man in the world because he just says, hey, Michael, we'd like to continue this meeting in private. Like he, he never raises his voice with Michael except in the season five finale when Michael broke it early that the, the Buffalo branch was closing. And that was definitely warranted as we said then, but otherwise David is like pretty much a steady Eddie.
0: Jim and David's meeting wraps up, and now David wants to talk to Michael again. And so they head into Michael's office, and here David asks what Michael thinks about Jim as a manager. And so this confirms, in Michael's mind, all of his suspicions. And so Michael does his best to sabotage Jim's potential promotion here he gives this just this really weird analogy comparing jim to big bird um and really it doesn't make any sense whatsoever there is no connection he just says that you don't want big bird being the manager maybe it should be bert or one of the adults on sesame street (laughs) and after this michael brings out jim's kind of employee valuations and michael says that these have been written by toby and they point out the fact that jim kind of takes a lot of time hanging out at the receptionist desks when pam was there obviously and that he kind of messes with other employees which of course we have seen that as well so These are valid points as to why Jim should not be a manager. And so this kind of makes David reconsider the whole plan, which was brought to him by Jim. And that is that Michael would be promoted to, I assume, Charles's position.
1: That was also my assumption. Charles is apparently gone. He was hand-selected by David. He was there long enough to uh, rib Jim and play some volleyball at the company picnic and then Jim is suggesting that Michael be promoted to a job that in season 3 David felt that Michael was not at all qualified for.
0: Yeah, so a lot going on here. It is never said that Charles is officially gone but yes, it appears as though Jim is pushing Michael into the position once held by Jan, Ryan, and Charles so that he can become the regional manager of the Scranton branch.
1: The title utilized for what Michael would be is Director of Northeast Sales.
0: Yeah, so maybe that is something completely different.
1: It doesn't seem to be.
0: Yeah. And so now Michael is very much regretting what he has done because now in this scenario, he gets promoted and he has already now trashed Jim. And David makes it known that, well, this is something that can only work if everyone is on board. If there is no qualified person or there is nobody that Michael thinks can take his job as regional manager. They aren't going to risk pushing him to this new position plus, and this was kind of a throwaway line. So it's kind of a odd thing, but David says that Jim is considering another job offer. And so Michael would kind of have to give the okay for Jim to be promoted. And Jim would then not consider that offer. Obviously.
1: Right. And Jim does a talking head with the camera crew saying that there was a reason he kept Michael in the dark because he thought Michael would try to help. I think this is a big misstep, though. I think that Jim underestimated or ignored Michael's paranoia and the fact of him not knowing and then not being involved and being left out of the meeting is what actually made it worse. If he had had a secretive meeting with David in the sense that he met David at a coffee shop or something like that, rather than, hey, you're going to be visiting Scranton. Let's just talk in the conference room right after and have no context to Michael as regional manager as to what we're talking about then maybe that would have worked. And then David could have presented it to Michael as like, Hey, I've had this interesting idea from Jim rather than what do you think of Jim? It, it just all creates this perfect storm where Michael already trashed Jim. And David is really reconsidering whether Jim has a future in the company in management
0: yeah you would think that kind of you said there would be some sort of context to this meeting already established that jim would have brought up at least a broad outline of this plan if nothing more than just hey i think michael should be promoted to this and then i can be regional manager which at that point yeah bring michael in because what more can he really mess up i mean. It's Michael, so a lot. But yeah, that that is a good point that probably wasn't the best idea for Jim. And so after the meeting between David Wallace and Michael, David asks Jim to walk him out to his car, and we don't hear what is said there. We only just kind of get the camera shot from Michael's office and Michael's point of view. But it does not appear that... Uh, This went the way Jim wants it to.
1: Yes, Jim looks very dejected after whatever conversation took place with David. So then Jim goes to Michael to try to figure out what happened. Because he felt like he had a good meeting with David. He's always had a pretty decent rapport with David. And as soon as David talked to Michael, that completely changed. Michael doesn't want to admit that he basically sabotaged Jim, but Jim tries to get Michael to call David and basically take back what he said.
0: So Jim insists that this call happen right then and there. And so Michael calls David and just very weirdly takes back what he said. I There is a point where, like, they are on speakerphone and... Michael hits the mute button to take out a knot, so that David couldn't hear it, but...
1: He's trying to save face because he doesn't want to say that he lied about what he thinks about Jim.
0: Right, but Jim is sitting right there, and so it's not like Jim can't hear this. And so Jim is hearing the lie, which is not great either. And so the conversation ends pretty abruptly when David Wallace gets pulled over for talking on his cell phone while driving. And so Jim just kind of walks out of the office and is just absolutely furious at Michael.
1: Yeah, with good reason. And this is when we learn that Jim has been asking Michael to put him up or suggest him for a branch manager position For a bit now, we don't know the time frame. And Michael says, well, I just didn't want to lose you and Pam and now the baby. So Michael, again, just makes it about himself and makes it personal rather than about it being business and the workplace. Like he cannot not blur those lines always.
0: And this is where we kind of see that selfishness of Michael that you just alluded to, because if... Michael and Jim truly were friends and Michael really cared about Jim would he not want to see Jim's professional life kind of elevated and to see him move up in the corporate world but he doesn't care about that he just wants his friends around him or at least the people he thinks are his friends around him so that he can feel good about himself and he can joke around and not do any work.
1: exactly. And well, so they're they're in the lobby of the building at this point because Jim is kind of just done with Michael, probably needs a breather. And Aaron interrupts them and says, David's on the phone. So that brings them back up to Michael's office. And David has an idea. He's talked with maybe it's the CEO, maybe it's the board. And the idea is uh, the idea is a, a bit of amendment to Jim's original plan, in which Michael and Jim will serve as co-managers of the Scranton branch with Michael taking on the big picture and client building part of it, and Jim managing the day to day. This makes no sense to me. no. As to like what this could possibly mean and it doesn't really make a ton of sense with Jim's original proposal about you know that client building and Michael being the Northeast manager of sales and so what beyond You know, basically nothing again. Like, what possibly could Michael work on every single day that's focused on the big picture? And that does seem like more of a corporate job. That's all that corporate does, they run the company.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure there has ever been a management situation where things started running more smoothly when you add in another like a layer of bureaucracy I have to imagine there would be several instances and I may be making this up but I feel like we do see that in later episodes where somebody goes to Jim and is like um oh, nope that's a that's a Michael thing and then or somebody goes to Michael oh, nope that's a Jim thing and so you have that layer but on the other side of this in my opinion there is no reality where jim thinks this is a good idea you yeah you just had your manager essentially trash your idea to become the regional manager and now the new scenario is that you are working with this person to manage the branch that you wanted to manage on your own
1: exactly and michael's actions throughout the day do not inspire great confidence to thinking that oh yeah michael can definitely handle being a co-manager and even his instant reaction to david is manager and co-manager like he wants to still establish a bit of a hierarchy and a dominance over jim's position And he even says, well, won't that be confusing to clients? I've always been manager. And so David tells him to pick up and says, if you're not okay with this and you're okay with losing Jim, we don't have to go this route. Like he's looking for Michael's
0: sign off. And so Michael does sign off on this. And so they kind of introduce themselves to the office as co-managers and everyone in the office seems to be as confused about it as we are.
1: And spoiler alert, this doesn't last very long. It doesn't last even to the end of this season. The one person who is just quite outraged and didn't see this coming at all is Dwight. And this will come into play a little bit more this season but Dwight is sort of essentially being leapt over by Jim's rise and he already has been since Jim is the number two and Dwight is more of a salesperson, and Jim has more of the I think management capacity and just the personality to manage but this is quite upsetting to Dwight
0: and Dwight may have been able to express his distaste for the developing situation had he not been distracted by an investigation into a potential workman's comp fraud case. At one point in this episode, we see Daryl back in the annex talking to Toby about an accident that he had while working in the warehouse where he fell off of a ladder and broke his ankle. And Dwight, because he just is the way he is, is Instantly skeptical about the details of Daryl's story.
1: Right. Dwight must have been in the break room or something, but he's sort of eavesdropping in on Daryl filing this report. Toby has no problem, tells Daryl to keep his receipts, and he'll get all the paperwork to corporate. Dwight is just a sort of skeptical person by nature, But he does point out a few things to Toby that don't really make sense. He says that how often does a foreman pull their own boxes? Normally they're just directing all the other workers. They do go down to the warehouse and they check out the ladder and Toby does note that the ladder doesn't go all the way up to the top shelf like Daryl said. And Dwight loves a reenactment. If you think back to season two, when they found the joint in the parking lot, he like tried to reenact that. So he's trying to reenact this fall from Daryl. And this does lead Toby and Dwight to sort of a stakeout of Daryl's house. And it's clear that Dwight thinks that Daryl is faking a broken ankle completely.
0: So they take the next step and do like a stakeout of Daryl's house and they are sitting there and they see someone who they think is Daryl carrying out two big bags of dog food from the house and so they drive up on the house and yell at this person who just happens to be Daryl's younger sister and Daryl comes out of the house at this point still on crutches And so now the jig is up and Dwight and Toby try to speed out of there, but hit the trash cans in front of Daryl's house and Toby like hits his head on the dashboard and they peel out of there. This leads to Daryl coming to the office with his sister to confront Dwight and Toby and basically threaten to talk to corporate about what happened here. And so after this, Dwight and Toby go down to the warehouse to kind of try and smooth things over, make peace with Daryl to where this basically doesn't have to go to corporate. And it's here that Dwight notices that two of the warehouse workers are using the cherry picker to as basically as an elevator to go from the floor up to the balcony type thing where the door to the, the larger office building leads to. And Dwight notices that there is a piece of wood over the top railing of the balcony. And so he deduces that Daryl tripped over that top railing and broke his ankle that way and not on the ladder as he had said before.
1: Daryl tries to deny this at first But Dwight says, well, okay, let's just check the security tapes. And when he says that, Daryl's like, oh, okay, okay. Like, kind of gives it up. And this is really bad. This is not good. This is complete fraud. This is kind of to the level of Ryan in season four, like, very much trying to defraud the company. And the fact that there are easily accessible security tapes is even worse of a plan, I would say, on Daryl's part.
0: And so now we have a situation where we have two parties in the wrong. You have Daryl trying to commit insurance fraud, and you have Dwight and Toby spying on another employee, and as Daryl says, sexually harassing his sister. And so Toby as the middleman here is just trying to say, hey, there's no reason for either of these things to go to corporate, let's just call it here where even nobody wants to push this any further. And apparently he is wrong because both Daryl and Dwight decided to file grievances against the other person.
1: Which would instantly lead to both their firings
0: if they went to corporate. Absolutely. And that pretty much does it for the things of importance in this episode. So let's go to the Annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode.
1: I only have one fun fact, and this episode was written by Michael Schur, who plays Moze,
0: And would have been mostly away from the show at this point because he is working on Parks and Rec.
1: Right, exactly. Curtis, who got fired this episode? We talked about a couple.
0: Well, we definitely lose Michael for a myriad of reasons. Uh, Most definitely for his actions in the cold open, um, for being just plain incompetent throughout the episode. And also, one kind of that gets mentioned here, that he probably wouldn't be truly fired for this until later, but it is mentioned that for Pam and Jim's wedding, which is in Niagara Falls, Michael is giving the entire office, both Monday and Friday, off. I can't imagine that that would fly with corporate.
1: Yes, like what authority is does he have to just be like, yeah, we're closing down the office for two days?
0: Yeah, uh, that is Michael's second firing this season. It's his 50th overall. We lose Toby and Dwight... For their roles in spying on Daryl and for harassing Daryl and his sister. It is Toby's first firing of this season. It's his third overall. And it is Dwight's first firing of this season. It is his 23rd overall. And it is not the moment we have been waiting for anymore. But it has finally happened Daryl gets fired for trying to defraud the company in a workman's comp suit. It is his first firing this season. It is his first overall. So we have now moved from Daryl watch to Aaron watch.
1: That's right. Somehow Daryl has made it. He made it 102 episodes. Now, granted, he wasn't in every single one of those
0: Yeah, there is a – Daryl is one of the oddest characters in this show just because when they use him, they use him pretty heavily. Right. But when they don't use him, he's not in the episode whatsoever.
1: Well, and Craig Robinson is on the up and up at this point because he would have been in – I don't know if Hot Tub Time Machine would have come out yet but he's starting to get into more movies now he's pretty popular he's he's one of the more popular actors and he's in if the, to come from the office i mean and he's been in a ton of commercials he's he just finds himself in a lot of things
0: and unfortunately for the sake of this show we are kind of moving from one character to another who just kind of have similar roles in the show in that they don't get used very often. And so Erin is still relatively new at this point. She's been in maybe eight episodes to this point-ish, somewhere in there. But she is very, very rarely featured. And so there is never much plot given to her. And so there isn't a whole lot of time for her to do something Fireable.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So, as I said, we are on Aaron Watch. We don't have too many more episodes to go before we start gaining another round of employees. And so, Aaron's got some work to do in a short amount of time before we have to expand Fired Watch again. Right. What is your Dundee for this episode?
1: My Dundee is the Two on the Nose Award. It goes to Ryan. So Pam has to go around the office and hunt down RSCPs because that's what you do when you throw a party. I know we've talked about it at least a couple of times on this podcast about RSCPing. But her and Jim have decided to invite the entire office, which is like 13 more people. And very few of them actually sent back their RSVP card. One of them, unshockingly, is Ryan. When she goes to him in the break room, he is reading, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Mm-hmm. And I could not think of a better book that would describe Ryan. And I... Despise that book and that man. Very much so. And when I was in college, it literally would have been right around this time, my group of friends, who I should not have been friends with, most of them, but my group of friends, a couple of them, thought that this was the best book ever, which sort of signifies the type of guy that they were, hopefully, not still are because it's just a book about I've not read it but my understanding is it's just a book about like being a bro
0: yeah I remember when this book came out as well and Tucker Max the author of it I believe had a blog or something like that as well but yes it was full of stories like what is in the book Yes. Uh, if Ryan were a character now, he would be very into Elon Musk. Yes. And Doga coin and things like that.
1: What is your Dundee, Curtis?
0: My Dundee is the Easy Choice Award, and that goes to everybody in the office, not Pam and Jim, because... You get two days off of work. You get to go to a wedding, and you get to have alcohol and food. I don't know. I don't know what what's holding people back here.
1: I mean, the cost of a hotel and a trip to if you don't have a passport, because it's in Niagara Falls.
0: It could be the American side of Niagara Falls.
1: I guess that's true. I didn't think about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, this is coming from noted wedding lover. If you invite me to a wedding, unless I have another wedding to go to that weekend, I'm coming to that wedding. It doesn't matter where it's at, I'm coming. I don't know why, like to me, it's it's like a thing that people are like, oh God, do I have to go to this wedding? Yeah, I
1: don't know why. I agree with you. I don't know why people feel that way. I only feel that way about kind of bummer weddings.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes, I have definitely gotten invited to a handful of weddings where I'm just like, uh, yeah, all right, I guess.
1: And we've attended a couple of weddings where we didn't know the people super well, and so it wasn't. It w- it wouldn't have ranked high on our list of weddings. But typically, as long as there's a good DJ and decent food, we we generally have a good time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Who is your employee of the month?
1: I chose Jim because he seemingly got some sort of promotion here, which I assume will come with a bit of a pay raise. And it also appears that he and Pam have set a date for their wedding since they've sent out invitations and they have a location now. Who did you pick?
0: I chose Jim as well for the the promotion, even though now he has to work more closely with Michael, which will probably be a downside to that job. Yes. So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates and continue listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.